This is Cruise Radio. In these winter months, consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. A review of Royal Princess coming up this week. We'll answer some of your shore excursion questions. And Sherry Kennedy has cruise news. It's been a whirlwind of a week. Uh, I was up in New York City with Celebrity Cruises and down in South Florida with Holland America. Both cruise lines have culinary announcements, so we'll touch on that coming up later on in the show. Of course, Celebrity Edge and Holland America's new Staten Down, both coming out later on this year. Very excited about both of them. They're both unique and um, some really, really good food coming up. Uh, don't forget, you can always shoot me an email, or if you want to come on the show and uh, give me a cruise review, love to hear from you. In fact, when I'm traveling and I get your emails, I, I love it because it's like coming home to me. Doug at cruiseradio.net. D-O-U-G at cruiseradio.net. All right, let's punch Sherry Kennedy up with cruise news. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Doug. So um, a little bit of uh, chaos over in Cozumel with some excursions. What's going on over there? Well, aside from your <laughs> profound use of of alliterations. Yes, there's chaos in Cozumel mm-hmm. near Playa del Carmen. What happened was it's actually very serious. Undetonated explosive devices of what they call unknown origin were discovered on a tourist ferry. Um, and these are the little boats that take passengers to shore excursions on the mainland to go to the, the uh, Mayan ruins. So in order to get from Cozumel to them, you have to take these little ferry boats. So they found some unexploded devices. So the embassy said, you know, this is a warning. It's a major deal. And so as a result, Carnival, Royal Caribbean, and then following suit, Princess Norwegian, all decided they're not going to do any shore excursions that involve a tourist ferry going to Playa del Carmen until further notice. I think Costa and MSC was also added to that list recently. Don't doubt it. Yeah. I mean, this is crazy. And apparently one did detonate back in February. I don't mm. remember hearing about that, but uh, it did result in some injuries, including some to U.S. citizens. This is not new, but I don't know um, why I never heard about it in February. Probably if you're planning on going on a cruise to the Western Caribbean and you stop in Cosmo and you're trying to go to the Playa, which is what, that would be like the ruins, right? That's like the transit point where mm. you would get your bus to take you down to the ruins. Okay, so basically anywhere that's not on Cosmo. Correct. Okay. So don't leave the island. Right. A couple of days ago, we were both down in Port Everglades. We were on Holland America's MS Eurodam for a couple of exciting announcements with them. We were, and it was it was pretty interesting. The main thing that they're working on now is this new and expanded culinary council. So they're having seven chefs as part of a team, plus a wine um, expert from Wine Spectator magazine, uh, James Suckling, and a chocolatier, Mr. Jacques Torres. So they're expanding. They are really fine-tuning. I mean, if, if what we had for lunch is an example of what you can expect, uh, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty awesome. I actually had a chance to catch up with Holland America Line president, Orlando Ashford. And I, said, I asked him, I said, a lot of cruise lines only have one chef partnership. Why does Holland America Line have seven? And this is what he had to say. Play clip number four. I think, uh, and this is this is rule in business as well as anything. In my opinion, a group will outperform an individual, and a diverse group will outperform a homogeneous group. And so, what we have with our culinary council is a diverse group of chefs with expertise 
pieces and different styles of cooking and different uh, types of foods and from different influenced by different parts of the world. And so you bring all that together so it gives our guests a diversity of foods to experience so we can have a menu that takes uh, dishes from several of our culinary council chefs or just one, depending on what it is that we want to do. So it gives us a lot more power and flexibility. This next story is interesting because a couple of weeks ago, Sherry, we talked about Bahamas Paradise Cruise Line getting that old Costa ship. We didn't really know what they were going to do with it. Well, they just revealed what they're going to do on the second ship. And honestly, it's a lot bigger than I thought they were going to do. It is. And it's really exciting to have two ships now in the middle of the state, the port of Palm Beach, rather than just the one. So what they have announced, and I'll sort of go through the laundry list here um, rather than bore everybody to tears. (laughs) But it is a big ship. Like you said, it's got it is 10 passenger decks. It'll hold 16 180 passengers, which is, you know, that's bigger than I thought, too. But they're going to have eight dining options. Of course, the complimentary ones. They'll have some specialty restaurants for steak and for seafood. They're going to have a pizza place for lunch and dinner um, with calzones and and those type of things. They will have a, a grand cafe for, obviously, croissant and coffee and, you know, cappuccinos and things like that. A sports bar and grill. Uh, they'll have the obligatory complimentary buffet up on deck 10 for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and late night snacks. And of course, but here they're going to have complimentary room service, and then they will have an a la carte menu for room service that will have a fee. Well, that's standard seems now mm-hmm. in the industry. As far as entertainment, they'll have the usual big production number in a grand theater. They have a casino, a few lounges. They will have a um, an adults-only um pool area, rather, mm-hmm. um, with whirlpools and a bar sitting out there. Um, that'll be up on deck 11. So that'll be nice. You know, I don't know. These are only overnight trips unless you're going to stay in a hotel in Freeport. So I don't know how many kids you will really find on the ship, but it's just nice to know it's there. All right. Well, moving on here, Carnival Cruise Line has finally named the godmother of the upcoming Carnival Horizon. Yes, they have. And it's Queen Latifah. And that's kind of exciting. You know, she's got she's got something in everything. She's doing, you know, the music, stage, screen, uh, television. She's she's just a multifaceted uh, personality and, and talent. And so she's going to be their godmother. And also they're working with St. Jude's Research Hospital. So they'll be doing a fundraising for that. And this is all going to happen at an invitation only overnight gala on the Carnival Horizon in New York City on May 23rd. Okay, Doug, so now it's my turn to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. You were just up in New York City for this big event, the Celebrity Edge Dining Reveal. What can you tell us about that one? So first off, super excited about Celebrity Edge coming out later on this year. Four main dining rooms on this ship, taken from the whole dynamic, uh, dynamic dining program that Royal Caribbean has kind of being replicated across the other brands, it looks like now. Um, Some cool venues, Fine Cut Steakhouse, Le Grand Bistro, Raw on Five, awesome seafood place. Uh, The Magic Carpet, you know, Sherry, the contraption that goes up and down on the side of the ship? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) It's weird looking. Yeah, well, I did learn this. So, it will not move with passengers. It's going to move when passengers are not on it, and it's going to be different dining experiences. Like, when you're at a tender port, it's going to be used as a tender launch. Uh, down like on deck zero or deck one, 
And then it's going to go up, and it's going to be like an extension of Raw on 5, which is a seafood restaurant. And then there'll be one more experience with the Magic Carpet. Now, it'll be at the very top, where it's called Dinner on the Edge, where it's a restaurant serving locally sourced food, depending on where you are, going off the ship with the chef and all that. So it all seems pretty cool. If you want a full rundown, check out the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Sherry Kennedy with cruisemaven.com. Thank you. Thanks, Doug. This is Cruise Radio. It's my favorite cruise expert, Vanessa Lee. Vanessa, welcome to Cruise Radio. <laughs> oh, I'm on Cruise Radio. I'm so happy to be back. Yeah, it's good. I haven't seen you like in almost a year. I know. It's wonderful to see you again. And so exciting tonight. I know, right? So food is such a big part of cruising these days. Like, where do you feel like, where do you think it's going? It's going beyond the edge. Hey, I like that little play on words, Celebrity Edge event. What was your favorite meal in there? You know, I, I, I'm still absolutely boggled by all the fantastic food. I, I really can't say yet. The tablemation. How was, cool was that? It was so cool. It's, I don't know how we would describe it to your audience. You can figure that out. Yeah, I was just interviewing someone and I was like, how would you describe it? Because I'm a loss for words. It's it's just like the table comes to life while you're yes. dining there and you you have the chef slinging meatballs on your plate and just... Or ice cream. Or ice cream, yeah. Animation, but quirky, whimsical, charming, different, and a great dining experience because you get to eat good food, but be entertained at the same time. If you missed any part of the show or want to hear more, go to cruiseradio.net and click on radio channel or go to iTunes and search Cruise Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Cruise Radio. We always like getting your listener questions about Baltic Shore Excursions. Fielding today's questions is Simone from cruisingexcursions.com. Hey, Simone. Hello, Doug. Number one, we're looking to book a Scandinavia, Russia, and Baltic cruise with kids ages 9 through 12, particularly looking at Copenhagen. Any excursions the kids would like, and do we need to get a visa? Okay, great choice of itinerary, Maggie. With regard to the visa for Russia, yes, uh, when Portland and St. Petersburg, you have to make a reservation for a tour, which that they all include a tourist visa in order to pass through security. So, this is a particular port where you can't just walk off ship and do your own thing. You have to actually reserve a tour. So with all of the tours we offer in St. Petersburg, including the night tours, such as the ballet, we offer the tourist visas so you're allowed off ship uh, to go on tour. With regard to Copenhagen, there is so much to see and do. Copenhagen was originally an old fishing village back in the 10th century. This city holds a lot of history, fables and stories, which I'm sure your children would love. I took my uh, my daughter when she was younger and we went on a guided tour around Copenhagen. And there is so, so many stories um, the children would be intrigued with. So I'd absolutely recommend the highlights of wonderful Copenhagen. This way, your, your guide will give you the history, the fables, the folk stories, uh, which originate from this particular destination, keeping all, all clients entertained, young and old. This, this tour also includes um, a photo opportunity of the famous Little Mermaid, which I'm sure your children would love to see, and a walking tour through the center of town. And for clarification regarding the visa, so cruising excursions will take care of the visa for the tourist? Yes, absolutely. So... Any tour you reserve with cruising excursions for St. Petersburg, we provide the visas. Okay. Um, you have to have a tour to get off ship. Maria says, we're booking an NCL Scandinavia cruise tour, and I've noticed the best of tour with the cruise line leaves out the iconic Church of Savior at St. Petersburg. Any suggestions? Yes. Thank you, Maria. Um, St. Petersburg is a wonderful city, and as you quite rightly stated, there is so much to see and do. 
If this is your first time to St. Petersburg, I would highly recommend our two-day excursion. This takes you to the most famous sites and, and includes the entrance to the Hermitage, Catherine's Palace, which includes the Amber Room, Church on Spell Blood, Peter and Paul's Cathedral, Peter and Paul's Fortress, Peter Hoff Park. It also includes um, a hydrofoil experience. And if you wish to get to try the famous metro system, which is like no metro I've seen before or been on before. It has incredible chandeliers hanging from the ceilings and mosaics on the walls. You'll be able to do this too. So I would highly recommend the two days. Absolutely great value for money. Rick says we're visiting Helsinki in June on Regal Princess. Any suggestions on what to do? There's a few cruise ports in Helsinki, like other ports. They do have um, them dotted all over. So depending on where you're actually porting, you may not be too close to the center. So I would actually recommend you taking a short guided tour. We offer our essential collection Helsinki Highlights Tour, which I believe is around three hours, but it'll take you to the main parts of Helsinki. So you'll get to see the, the Esplanade Park, the Olympic Stadium, Senate Square. And if you wish at the end of the tour, you can say to the guide, listen, I want to stay a little bit longer to experience the town. Um, because it's only three hours in length, you'll be able to do your own thing at the end. So there's plenty of time to take part in the tour and also have free time to do your own thing at the end. This way you'll be able to have the best of both worlds. Anika asks, do you have any advice on Tallinn sightseeing and how far is the city centre from the port? Tallinn is a quaint medieval destination. It's almost magical. This is one of my favourite ports in the Baltics. Um, Tallinn is split into, into two. You have the upper part of Tallinn and the lower part of Tallinn, um, both of which there's limited transportation within these, both these centres. It's predominantly walking, so they don't allow transportation in the centre of Tallinn. So um, if you are actually looking to walk into town, this will take you around 45 minutes from the cruise port. But again, to get the most out of your time there and something that I would absolutely highly recommend is our Telling Highlights tour. I fell in love with this place due to our tour. Not only do you get to see the upper and the lower part of town, you'll also get to visit outside of town, including you have photo opportunities of all of Summer Palace and the Ruslava Monument. This is a destination, honestly, I can't stress enough. This is just magical. Last question comes from Debbie. She says, my husband and I will be on the Navigator of the Seas out of Southampton this summer, stopping in Oslo, Copenhagen, Tallinn, St. Petersburg, Helsinki, and Brussels. Do you have any recommendations on must-see places in these ports? I'd like to start narrowing down shore excursion options. And uh, Simone, some of these we already talked about a few moments ago. Yes, we have. And uh, to be honest, the Baltic cruise is so popular at the minute, and I can understand um, Debbie's question. If you've never been to these destinations before, you absolutely want to see the best um, of every single port. So what we actually do is we, here at Cruising Excursions, we have developed a collection of essential collection tours. So these are our must-see and must-do excursions. So if you've never been to these ports of call, these tours offer the very best of that destination. So it's worth looking out for the essential collection because you are actually going to the main sites, the main places um, of each port of call. We also offer the multi-port packages if you're wanting to do something in every single port. So the multi-port multi packages 
which include all of our essential collection tours. Um, these have been specifically designed to save you money and to get the best out of each destination. With the multi-port packages, so essentially you're saving money by bundling three or so ports together instead of buying them one by one. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so what we have on our website is we, we have um, pre-arranged packages, what we think are going to be very popular. But sometimes customers have been to those particular ports, so they can actually um, choose their own essential collection tours and bundle them up into a package. So if you... If you've put one, one sure excursion into your basket, the next sure excursion, it will start to discount and so on and so on. So you'll start to, get, you'll start to see a discount after you've put your second sure excursion into the basket. Makes sense to me. We've been talking with Simone from CruisingExcursions.com. Thank you so much for being here, Simone. Have a good day. Yes, you too, Doug. Thank you. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Have a question for the experts or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net. Stephen just returned from a 10-day Southern Caribbean cruise aboard Royal Princess and he joins us on the line to talk all about it. How you doing, Stephen? Hey, doing very well, Doug. Thanks. Uh, back in the colder area of Michigan, and wish I was still on the ship. <laughs> yeah, you can have that weather. Uh, so you were actually <laughs> on the uh, on the ship over New Year's, which is cool because that's, that's like on my bucket list to do a New Year's Eve cruise. So um, I can't wait to talk all about that. Uh, I want to take a couple of steps back before we get to the ship itself. Uh, what made you want to sail this ten night Southern Caribbean on Royal Princess? Well, actually, it was uh, pretty much what you just mentioned. Uh, we had never done a holiday cruise before, either Christmas or New Year, and we. We're doing a little bit of research um, and noticed that uh, Royal Princess had this great 10-day itinerary leaving the day before uh, New Year, leaving on the 30th. And we also noticed that, uh, I guess because of some of the, the, the people have canceled the Caribbean, the prices were looking really good. So we decided to take the opportunity and do the New Year break and uh, escape from the, uh, the frozen Midwest. You got an awesome deal, under $1,000 a person with a, for a balcony for 10 nights. That's amazing. I was pretty shocked, especially over uh, holiday sailing. My guess is because of the way Christmas and New Year fell mm. this year, they had a bit of trouble shuffling the fleet. Yeah. And it was sort of a holiday sailing, but it was also the first work week. 
So they, they, they probably were struggling. In the end, the ship sailed full. So I guess discounting yeah. worked. We, yeah. we went out 100% full. Nice. So uh, you make your way down to Port Everglades, uh, and I see you did a pre-night stay. Uh, yep, we, we were pre-night at uh, the Marriott Fort Lauderdale Harbor Beach, which is kind of about uh, about five minutes up um, from the entrance of the port. A uh, hotel that we like because if you get ocean view room there, you can uh, kind of get up at five o'clock in the morning and sit on your balcony and watch the watch the ships arrive. That's what you did, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Every, every every time it's been possible. It was a bit foggy that morning, but um, they, they, they kind of came out of the fog like these, these, these enormous, beautiful machines that they are. Nice. So let's talk about embarkation. So uh, getting from the hotel to the cruise port, how easy was that? Well, that was very easy for us. Um, we called an Uber. It was about two minutes, um, and it's about a five-minute run uh, from the hotel down to the port. We did choose to go a little bit later this time, uh, figuring it was a 10-day cruise. We had a nice day at the hotel, so we kind of hung out at the pool before we before we headed over to the port. Um, so we left the hotel at about about 1.30 and um, got into the port about 1.45 p.m. Okay. And then from uh, curb to gangway, how long was that? That was probably 15 minutes. Given the time, we, uh, choosing to arrive a bit later, given that amount of time, we were just uh, out of the Uber, dropped the bags, uh, walked right through, straight up to the counter, and straight on board. Awesome. So you make your way on board this ship. What are your first impressions of Royal Princess? Royal's amazing. This is our second time out on Royal. We went out on her inaugural season. Um, really, when you come off, come through that boarding, the, the boarding bridge, and you enter out on deck five, you come straight into the uh, the deck five level of the three deck piazza. And if you've been on princess ships, any year that's been on princess, you know they're really, really glitzy. There's there's lots of gold, lots of chrome, and you you kind of walk in there and you're in the middle of that piazza, and it really is a beautiful ship. I think as well, even before boarding, uh, Royal Princess, you may know, are putting the Sea Witch on the bow now. Mm. So they really stand out when you see them in port. The artwork being done on the bow, I think, is much more tasteful than one of the other cruise lines that do a lot of painting. Yeah. <laughs> so she really stands out. And as I mentioned, we, we had sailed on her in the inaugural season. So we had, a, we had an idea of what to expect. And uh, she definitely delivered. She, she really is an amazing ship to walk into. Since you did this ship uh, on the inaugural season, there was a big issue with the elevators. Did they fix that? That was one of the things I was most curious about. Royal was the first of her class, uh, followed by Regal and Majestic. And the moment she went into service, the initial reviews were, were pretty horrifying based upon passenger flow. They had two main things. One, they were missing the center stair- uh, staircase. So it existed for crew, but you couldn't go above day- deck eight on the center stairwell, which led to a lot of congestion at the elevators. The second weird thing they did is the left bank elevators and the right bank of elevators weren't linked. Um, so you had to press a button on both sides so the elevators would be stopping, doing those ghost stops all the time. So pleased to say that the elevator challenge, we didn't hear a single person complain about slow elevators or any problems. And that center staircase just improved the passenger flow around Royal tremendously. It it was a major, major change. Awesome. Let's talk about the stateroom. Uh, So we mentioned you booked the balcony stateroom. So what did you think of it? Really, really great. We actually went with a obstructed ocean view, and that's one of the reasons why the why, why the price point we got the the under hundred a day for the ten days uh, worked out so well. So we were an obstructed ocean view balcony on deck eight, um, which is the emerald deck on the Royal, which was cabin E three two five. Good sailing. The obstruction was directly below the balcony, so mm-hmm. if you were standing on your balcony, you were looking down on the lifeboat. But if you looked out beyond the lifeboat, you pretty much had an unobstructed view of the of the sea. So um, for the savings, we often will go with an obstructed ocean view or obstructed balcony. So you, you still get the view, but you get, uh, you get a much better price point to uh, spend on excursions. The stateroom was labeled deluxe, which in princess speak means a whole extra 10 square feet <laughs> uh, and a small couch to be converted into a single bed. 
there's more balconies. Um, again, uh, princesses, uh, this class of princess ship, they're not big balconies. They're, they're pretty small, but they give you what you need. They give you the two chairs. You can sit out there, have your morning coffee, and and, and enjoy the enjoy the ocean. All right. Well, uh, how about your room service? Was that good? Uh, the stateroom service? Really fantastic. We, we've done about 20, about 20 or 21 cruises now, and I think our room attendant and, and pretty much the whole crew that we came across on roll this time, uh, but our, our room attendant, Santosh, was really fantastic. I mean, always friendly, always smiling, and extremely efficient. Uh, definitely one of the best guys that we've, we've had uh, taking care of us on board. Awesome. Uh, talking about the main dining room now, uh, what time dining did you have? We actually went for the 8 p.m. Typically, we are we are later diners. We we kind of like to have those uh, those pre dinner drinks on board. Mm-hmm. So we went with the uh, the late dining, uh, which is 8 p.m. on uh, on on Princess at this time of year. And we were pretty boring this time. We were all ten nights in the main dining room. Princess as a cruise line haven't really gone the way many other cruise lines have done. As you know, uh, there's really only two speciality restaurants on board: the the Crown Grill and Sabatini's. And we we tossed around that idea, but we kind of just never got around to booking them. So we were we. Were 10 nights in the MDR and I was very impressed. I mean, it, it's main dining room food, it's, but we were really, really impressed by the speed of service, by the attention we were given and the overall quality of the food as well. It, it, it was a positive experience. And uh, Princess's, uh, their buffet area is called the Horizon Court. What did you think of that? The Horizon Court was fine. Nothing special one way, nothing really negative the other way. It would have been nice to have a few more choices for breakfast. Um, we pretty much did the buffet probably six mornings, and we did the main dining room for the other four. Mm-hmm. Main dining room, we found, again, great service um, for the serving of breakfast. The Rising Court, it was kind of a little bit more of the same. Um, Royal's layout for this class of ship is a bit different from um, any of the other listeners who are familiar with the earlier class of princess ships. They do these big buffet stations, and I think that really helps to help the, the flow. It didn't feel cramped. It didn't feel uh, chaotic like many buffets can. Yeah, definitely. I hear you there. And now, uh, pizzeria, Trident Grill, all of that. What do you think of that? We like those pretty pretty much um, on sea days, especially um, lunch. Uh, instead of going down to the buffet, it was just um, grab something to eat when we wanted. The the quality of the pizza, the Trident Trident Grill, for the the main kind of pizzeria, it's really good. And the uh, the burgers and the hot dogs and so on at the um, at the area as well, we're, we're just fine. Very efficient service and very very quick. Is Alfredo's on there? Alfredo's is on there, and I've noticed they made a change um, for any of your listeners who have been on Royal or Regal before. Uh, when we first went on, Alfredo's was a upcharge restaurant. It was small. It was about 7 or $8 at the time. Mm-hmm. And they did crepes and they did pizzas. Now, we noticed that this time with Alfredo's, it's just a very, very simple pizza menu. So somewhere along the, along the way, they changed that. We intended to go, but we kind of just never got around to it. Is there still an upcharge in it? Uh, no upcharge at all. Okay. Just um, kind of arrive, arrive, get a seat. I think it's open between like 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Gotcha. And it's just arrived. It, it looked pretty empty. Yeah. I really don't think a lot of people understood what it was. <laughs> yeah, I can see that too. Well, let's switch gears here and talk about entertainment. What do you think of the entertainment on board? Entertainment was uh, pretty much what we'd expect. Kind of feeling that Princess as a cruise line have fallen behind the likes of Royal Caribbean that have gone for more the Broadway style show. There were three main theater shows with the with the crew, uh, the crew singer and dancers. Two of them we had seen before, uh, Colors of the World, and uh, one that really focused on soul, Motown type music. Um, they're, they're good, but we had seen them before, so we we kind of skipped out on that. The new show is called Encore. I think it was just the third week on board. That was really good, um, very fresh, and passengers seem to be seem to be raving about it. Cool. Any comedy shows? 
I think because we were a longer sailing, we had an extra comedian. Some of them were really, really good. And in fact, that we, we think two of the guys, the, the one guy we went back to see the second night, he was so good. One fellow had just come on board and he seemed pretty tired and, and just didn't really seem to relate to the audience, the audience very well. But overall, um, comedians were good. We had a good laugh. And uh, how was the entertainment around the rest of the ship? It had the uh, the usual uh, cruise ship band, Topaz, which were fine. There was a group called Phoenix Rising, which mainly played in the wheelhouse parts. A little bit slower pace, uh, music, um, some of the oldies. They really, really were excellent. One of the better bands that I've actually seen perform on a ship. And we met the amazing Perry Grant, who is the piano guy in Kroonan's Bar. Um, pretty different, uh, very unconventional. Um, he, he really built his audience. He got his audience engaged, and he built a loyal audience. And um, while he played the same kind, of, same kind of music nearly every night, he built that audience that just came back time and time again. So we would sit, sit with a martini, and, oh, it's 8 o'clock. It's time for Perry to come on. So he's a real gem, and Princess should be proud of what he does. Awesome. Now let's talk about Sea Days. Of course, this was a 10-day sailing, so you had a couple of days at sea there. What did you think of as far as crowds and congestion throughout the ship? Royal seems to perform very well. Now, we were blessed with incredible weather on the sea days, um, so it meant a lot of people wanted to be out on deck. If you're realistic about it, um, if you want one of those poolside lounges, you're going to have to get out there at 6 o'clock in the morning. But if you're happy to be a little bit back, uh, kind of second stage back from the ship at all, or go up on one of the decks, um, kind of the sun deck up above the pools, there's uh, plenty of space for shade, plenty of place for sun. And we honestly didn't find the ship crowded at all. I think we're about 3,800 passengers on board, which is one of the heavier loads that a princess ship can carry. But we never felt cramped, and we never had a problem finding a lounger either. So it was was really wonderful. The retreat pool is the adult area. Um, I think it's probably the the nicest thing about this class of ship. Um, The adult pool is substantial in terms of size it has plenty of lounges it really is a nice uh, a nice place to um kind of sit chill and have a couple of drinks awesome were there a lot of kids on this sailing no and i think possibly because uh, some of the kids were back at school in that first week of january mm-hmm. uh there were some that didn't have um that really really didn't have any any issues with kids running around at all uh, respected that the adult pool was an adult pool and did not have any issues at all. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about your ports of call. Uh, I guess let's go down the list of ports you hit and just give us a highlight from each one. Princess Key is uh, Princess's own private island there in the Bahamas. Spectacular as always. We had a, had, had a beautiful weather day and just a nice time to hang out on the beach. Then we went on to St. Thomas. As you mentioned on some of your recent podcasts, St. Thomas is now open to shipping one uh, once again. They are running at limited capacity. We were just one of two ships in that day. But St. Thomas is looking good. The port area is looking fine. Locals are pleased to see the cruise ships coming in again. We chatted to a couple of the, couple of the shopkeepers, and they were just really pleased to see that uh, life is slowly returning to normal and that um, the cruise ships are coming in. And um, they were all very encouraging to uh, please start your folks and open for business and, um, and keep those ships coming in. Around the port, the Marriott Resort is out on the bluff as you enter the port. You can see it's still pretty damaged. It's been closed to a major overhaul. But from the overall visual impression of the port area, you wouldn't believe what they what had been through over the last couple of months. So, uh, so everybody, get out, get out there and get back to St. Thomas. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, you said Martinique was a yeah. D at best, and I, I, I hate, to, I hate yeah. to see that because I've done some amazing snorkeling a couple of times in Martinique. What it might have been is Martinique seems to be taking a overflow of ships that were not able to go into St. Thomas and St. Martin at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, we were not on the pier. There was a Norwegian ship that was in on the pier that day. 
So Athols and uh, Eurodam, Holland America Eurodam, were docked at the container port or the main industrial port. Mm -hmm. And the real challenge about that is that um, it made tendering look good. We had to wait in the theater, wait for buses to take us uh, through the industrial port and out to the out, out to the entrance. So kind of kind of set up the negative. Just got the feeling that Martinique um, is not ready for prime time as a cruise ship port. It's out limited, excursions were very limited. So I think they were trying and they were picking up that slack, but um, it's, it's not one I'd be in a hurry to go back to. Did it get hammered by the hurricanes? No, not much. No, seems, just, to be, seems to be completely clear of it, yeah. Just yeah. ran and down. I think that's why they were able to able to pick up pick up the slack from the other ports. Okay. And you went to Granada next? Uh, Granada, yes. The uh, first, um, quite a few of these ports were new. Granada was one of the, one of the new ports, and we absolutely loved it. It feels like a true Caribbean port. We took a wander through the, the old part of the town, went into the local museum. Everybody was kind of very friendly on the street, greeting us as we went by. Locals started to talk about the town and, and say how pleased they were to see uh, sea cruise ships coming in and that that business was uh, was building. They really felt um, unspoiled by, uh, by mass tourism and was definitely a very, very nice surprise. And then the last two islands, you did the B and C islands out of the ABC. So the first one was Bonaire? Yep, Bonaire has now become our new favorite port. Um, we had been to Aruba prior, um, so we had some idea what, what, what the ABCs looked like. But Bonaire was really, really fantastic. Um, very easy to navigate around. Um, as I mentioned, uh, mentioned to, you, to you before, we came across a company called Bonaire Cruises. Um, they rent out souped-up golf carts. It's a private private excursion, but you can find these guys uh, out on the web. Mm-hmm. It was a fantastic excursion. We, we had this golf cart. It's gas car. Um, got a decent speed, you know, kind of 15, 18 miles an hour. And we spent the next five hours just driving from the, the highlands up towards the national park and down to the salt the, the salt pans on the southern end of Granada. It was just a great way to be able to drive around and, uh, and see things uh, see things for ourselves. It was a good good way to go. So I would highly recommend anyone visiting Bonaire to look up uh, look look up this company. And please book beforehand. Um, there were so many people that, that felt they missed out because they got about 60 golf carts. Every single one of them was booked out. Oh, wow. It was and a then, good, good trip there. Yeah. And then Carousel? Carousel, um, again, beautiful, beautiful island. Anyone who's ever traveled through the Netherlands, it's a real blend of Caribbean style, Caribbean colors, and and Dutch architecture. Two sides to it once, once you disembark the ship. Really, really good shopping, a nice harbor front, uh, lots of little um, kind of cafes and um, and bars. We can just kind of take a seat, have a cold beer, and just watch the world go by. So we, we really like to look like uh, Curacao. Would happily go back to both Bonaire and Curacao anytime. Next time you go back to Curacao, they have this tour there. Um, it's called Irie Tours, and it's twenty five dollars per person. It's one, it's one of those um, open air school buses, but they have a cooler full of beer in the back. So it's all you can drink beer, and uh-huh. you get a guided tour. You stop at the distillery, you go to the beach for a couple hours. I think it's well worth the twenty five dollars. Oh wow! I will make a note of that. Wish I wish I'd learned about that one beforehand. Yeah, for sure. So you make your way back to Port Everglades. How was your debark process? Debarking very straightforward as well. Thinking possibly because uh, we were the only ship coming in on Tuesday morning into Port Everglades, so there was no uh, no shortage of customs officials. So they really got ahead of themselves. Uh, we were off the ship. Um, they announced that our disembarking group could go about half an hour earlier. And um, I think we achieved a record from walking out of our cabin, out off the ship, through customs, 
into a taxi cab and into the airport and through TSA. We did that in just on 48 minutes. We wow. actually noted the time. So uh, I really think we broke a record there. We, we were sitting having a coffee in the airport, yeah, yeah, less than 50 minutes after we walked out of the cabin. So that's the difference between a one-ship day at Port Everglades and an eight-ship day at Port Everglades. Yeah, because normally Port Everglades <laughs> and Fort Lauderdale Airport's a disaster on debarkation day. <laughs> One ship in was yeah, great. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, any first-time tips to offer folks sailing Royal Princess? I think the one tip we we'll definitely have would be the obstructed ocean view cabins. I, I think um, some people will pass over them um, thinking that the obstructions can be really bad. If you're considering considering Royal Princess or any other ship like that, take a look on online, Google your actual cabin number or a cabin number nearby, and there's lots of photographs out there. And for the bunny you saved, you can put it into other uh, um, yeah, other enjoyments while, while on board the ship. So obstructed ocean view, I'm saying, is one. The other one, Royal Princess specific, um, um, there's an adult area called Sanctuary, which is a, a fee uh, that you pay for the Sanctuary, but it's beautiful lounges right at the front of the ship, great service. The big challenge with the Sanctuary in the Caribbean in summertime is you have to run, not walk once you board. So you've got to get on board early. You've got to go straight to the uh, up to the Sanctuary on Deck 17. Uh, they sell out the half days, the full days really, really quickly. We, we were lucky we managed to grab a half day, half day uh, in the Sanctuary on one of our sea days, but it's a great area so if you want to use that go straight there as soon as you board the ship did you um already mention how much you paid for that half day the half day on the sanctuary is twenty dollars per lounger oh that's not bad at all so it's 40, 40 no, no not at all so uh, forty dollars for the two of us and it's mm-hmm. kind of from one thirty in the afternoon through the 6 p.m in the evening oh perfect so if you can get those they're really are worthwhile let's have a nice afternoon tea as well with the uh, scones and little sandwiches and cups of tea as well so it's, it's really it's really worth it and I think that's why people are in the know. They go straight there, they book it, and um, we won't tell them how popular it is because we don't want them to raise the prices. Right. <laughs> Looking back on this 10-night cruise, what was the biggest highlight for you? I think I mentioned two things, Doug. Uh, one, um, being on New Year's Eve on a cruise ship was really tremendous fun. We expected that they would have um, have lots of activities on board, and I, I think they really delivered. Um, there were four different four different New Year parties on board, from the open deck to the Vista Lounge to the Piazza. Um, all were fun, so we kind of wandered party to party, got a drink at, a drink at each one, and then right at midnight they had a balloon drop in the main Piazza. I'd say that's probably was the highlight. It was just um, everybody happy, everybody smiling, lots of music playing and they must have had thousands of balloons it, it was really something to see that's awesome the second one for our highlight um was that golf cart on bonaire mm-hmm. <laughs> uh driving around in an open golf cart around a beautiful island seeing thousands of cacti it was just something that we didn't kind of expect and um and, and left a wonderful impression in closing here what are your final thoughts of royal princess Royal's a great ship. We think the enhancements that they've made after, after when they dried up too early for the staircase and a few, few other changes they've made, we think those enhancements have turned a good ship into a great ship. Um, she's pretty big at 3,800 passengers, but as I mentioned earlier, she never felt crowded. You know, when people are transiting between the theater and the lounges and dinners, you can get always get a little bit of crowds on board, but she never felt crowded. She never felt overloaded at all. Always had plenty of space and, and areas to find. I like high tech. Um, she's a very high tech ship. There's these incredible electronic guide uh, guide boards in every elevator lobby. And I've got to say that the in-cabin TV, um, in terms of movies you can watch, uh, live TV you can watch, uh, the webcam and so on, I think is the best that we've seen on a, any cruise line at sea. She, she really is a good high-tech ship. One last thing we decided to do, um, the the Lotus Spa on board has a thermal lounge. So we, we chose to buy a, a week pass, uh, the thermal spa, 
And that's really, really nice. There's a, a beautiful thermal pool. There's warm stone lounges, um, steam rooms, saunas, essential oils, uh, oil rooms, and so on. So we, we, that was our one luxury. And you could almost say the money we saved by going abstracted, we put into getting that week pass just to be able to relax and lounge around in the thermal spa. Now, I should know the answer to this, but is Royal Princess one of the ships that they're slowly rolling out the Ocean Medallion program? Yes, I believe that Royal received the technology during her dry dock last year, but mm-hmm. it's not due to be fully implemented until I think they were talking about November 18. Wow, okay. So they text on board, but they haven't fully implemented as yet. Okay. Awesome. Well, Stephen, it was great talking to you. I'm glad you had a great sailing. And thanks for sharing your review with us of this 10-night Southern Caribbean cruise. Excellent. That's my pleasure. Hopefully your, your, uh, your listeners will find it interesting and wishing everybody out there a wonderful 2018 and lots of happy cruising. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.